Welcome to The New Neighborhood. We're excited to highlight innovative early childhood work taking place in communities across the country. In each episode, we'll be talking to people who are reinforcing a sense of community, supporting young children and their families, and focusing on equity right from the start to create a generation where all children and their families thrive. I'm Sanaa Sharif. And I'm Kaylin O'Connor, and we're your co-hosts for The New Neighborhood. Today, we're talking to Elena Dennis and Jesse Manning from Safe Families Cleveland. Safe Families is a model that matches socially isolated families with volunteers who fill the role of family friend, and in some cases, even host children in their homes temporarily. How exciting. We're excited to talk with Elena and Jesse about the Safe Families model and how they're implementing it in Cleveland. To start, can you each introduce yourself and what your role is with Safe Families? Absolutely. Good morning. Thank you so much for having us on. My name is Elena Dennis. Um, have been involved with the Safe Families for Children movement for over uh, 10 years as a volunteer and on staff. I have three children, um, 10 and under, but it seems that most of the time I have four with me. So maybe as we get to know each other more, I can tell you more about that. My title is the director for the state of Ohio and Pennsylvania, and then, um, yes, the director for the chapter we have here in Cleveland that we're really going to tell you a little bit more about our work here in Cleveland today. Good morning. I am Jesse Manning, and I have been connected with Safe Families for um, almost five years, I would say. I first came on as a volunteer, my family and I did, and then two years ago came into the staff role of what's called a family coach supervisor. So I really connect with our families when they're first reaching out to us and um, then also provide support to our volunteers um, while we're supporting families. I am a mama to four kiddos. My oldest is nine and my youngest is four. And um, my parents were just here this last weekend and commented something like, we never know what kids will be here when we come. And like Elena, that's often true. There's often a child or two that are joining our household. So typically four, but sometimes more than that. <laughs> All right. Thank you. To start us off, Elena, can you describe the Safe Families model and what it looks like in practice? The Safe Families for Children model is really looking at a way in which we can be intentional to offer positive social support to families in our communities, in our neighborhoods. Really, the reason we exist is because not everybody has that uh, community. Not everybody has the emergency contact in their phone to call. And um, we all know uh, that there are going to be times that we need those people, that things happen in life that are unexpected, maybe a crisis, and we need people that we can call, um, especially people that we can trust with our children, our young children. And so the Safe Families model is built around creating a circle of support, is what we call it, um, for a family that, as you've mentioned previously, may be facing adversity, may be socially isolated in particular. So there are a variety of reasons um, for the initial call, like here in Cleveland when Jesse receives a call. But the common denominator is the family 
has said, I don't have someone else to call right now. And my children um, need to be somewhere safe. They need to be with people that are safe. And can you help? And so um, we look to recruit volunteers um, primarily in the community through faith communities, through uh, local churches most um, of the time. And we are looking to find people who are willing to become volunteers with us, but then are willing as say families volunteers to be matched with a family who is called and is um, socially isolated and looking for support. There are different roles because let's think about what you would have in a family. You would have um, perhaps the great aunt that you don't see as often, but you know she's a backup. You may have grandma that's pretty rock solid. Um, and so, um, you know, volunteers that are available in different capacities to both offer the social support, the tangible support, and then on occasion, uh, host children in their home. And that is a particular volunteer role called a host family. Um, and so we're really <clears throat> trying to create that circle of support, extended family-like support for families that are socially isolated. I'll give you um, a more particular example. In these past couple weekends, uh, my family has had a new friend to us come and stay at our home. When his mom first called our Safe Families Cleveland helpline, she let us know that she was facing a medical crisis and that she had um, concern about being able to secure someone she trusted to be in care of her five-year-old son while she was receiving treatment in the hospital. And so the first weekend she called, we were able to um, find a volunteer and ding, ding, that time it happened to be my family. And our friend, our, the five-year-old little guy came to stay with us while mom was able to recover. Now this mom is young. Um, she does have some people in her life that offer her support some of which are a little bit older and her son has autism and is, is nonverbal. And um, she felt as though is a little bit challenging for an older woman in her life to be able to host overnight. So guess what is really cool? When I got to go meet mom and pick up her son, I also got to meet um, this woman in her life she calls granny and be a part. So uh, hopefully to extend that family um, network for this mom. And then he came back the next weekend because mom just needed some more time to recover. And really that's what we're hoping to do. We're hoping that um, that relationship will develop, that a parent will feel comfortable to call again and say, hey, I feel like if, if the volunteer is available again, can we see um, about my son coming again to stay with them for the weekend so I can recover? And we want children to be with their families. That is a driving force of safe families for children. So we're looking to offer that support, especially if children are away from their families, like in a hosting situation, um, as much as a parent asks for, and also in a way that requires that they're away from their, their mom or their family for the, the least amount of time possible. And so, you know, uh, what are other ways that we can come to mom um, and give her that support as well? So, 
yeah, we hope that that over time that that will become a relationship that she feels she can always reach out um, to me, to my family as she moves through life, because that is what we believe people should have, that that is the way you'll hear us say that that we are designed and the intent for for people to have families and live in family units. Thank you very much, Elena, for sharing that with us. So I heard intentional, positive social support. I heard providing community, uh, the sense of building a village or an extended family for families who don't already have that or don't have it nearby. Um, I had a similar experience when I relocated to Guilford County. I had zero emergency contacts. I had zero family and friends, and I was pretty far away from everyone. And additionally, I have a son who is on the spectrum. He is mildly autistic. It was interesting not to have any sort of community. Uh, and so I ended up creating a community with the Guilford Parent Leader Network. So it's just really interesting to hear about how these resources are actually placed. Can you tell us a little more about what Safe Families looks like in Cleveland? Like how many families are you serving? How many volunteers do you have? Um, just tell us all about it. Here in Cleveland, the first thing I would say it looks like is it's growing. We have been here in the city for about five years, and we serve families in the greater Cleveland area. Um, and in terms of volunteers, a lot of times I use that term families, and I mean it to meet, reference a lot of things. You can be a volunteer as a single person. You can be a volunteer as a family with children, a family without children, grandparents, all those different stages. So when I talk about how many families we have here in the Cleveland area, I mean all of those different um, family makeups, really. And we have around 50 volunteers right now. And that ebbs and flows just with um, volunteers availability and different stages of life that they're moving through. And then in terms of families that we serve, on average right now, we're serving about 50 families a year. And like Elena was referencing, that type of support that we're offering really looks different dependent upon what the needs of the family are and um, even kind of changes over time. You know, sometimes it might start with a parent needing care in terms of a child coming and staying with our one of our volunteer families, and then it transitions into um, a longer intentional friendship. A question I often get that I think is cool to highlight is, is it okay for families to reach out again? And will you support them again? And absolutely, like we really, really value and see that as a sign of strength that families are recognizing, you know, maybe they were moving in a direction that felt stable and recognizing that they might need a little more support to kind of work towards the stability that they're desiring for their family. Thank you for sharing that, Jesse. So with that being said, how easy or difficult is it to become a volunteer family? That's a great question. And I'm going to give you a silly answer. I would say that it's not necessarily easy or difficult. I think um, really it just starts with if um, there is a, a person or a family that has the desire to volunteer, the first thing that we're really thinking about is um, safety. And so if this is a family that really values safety and is um, desiring to kind of go through the steps that we lay out in regards to safety, then that's something we want to walk through the process with them. In terms of becoming a volunteer in that safety piece, we offer training that's developed at the national level that's pretty extensive and really focused on child development, building relationships um, with families that are different than you in a lot of ways. Because, um, you know, we're taking families that 
are living very separate lives and then instantaneously putting them together. So there's a lot to, to learn there and to grow in. Um, and then of course, we're completing background checks both at the state and federal level. And we spend an extensive amount of time with the family, both over the phone, in conversation, in kind of an informal interview setting. And then we're actually in their home where we complete a home safety check where it's exactly what it sounds like. We wanna make sure that their home is physically safe, but also really wanting to understand um, the stability of that volunteer family so that they um, have that foundation to be able to come alongside one of the families that's reaching out to us. So yeah, so not necessarily easy or difficult, but just looking for volunteers that have that same desire and um, you know wanna come on board and go through that training and approval process. It sounds like you serve a lot of families with young children, and that, of course, is a group that we care a lot about here at the New Neighborhood. And so I'd love to hear about how Safe Families fits in with other efforts around early childhood in Cleveland. Thanks, Kaylin. Yeah, so nationally, 70 to 85 percent year to year of the children that we serve are zero to five. Um, And that holds true uh, in Northeast Ohio and Cleveland as well. We are very intentional then to engage in networks of professionals that are serving in the early childhood population. So um, that includes the, um, we call it the Greater Cleveland Family Strengthening Network, which is a part of the National Family Support Network. So we are active in that. Um, We are also active in the uh, effort with Zero to Three, that is the Safe Babies Court Active Community Team. Um, So we are also connecting in that sense to um, some other providers that are perhaps a little bit more clinical that are working in early childhood mental health, uh, home visiting, things like that. And then um, we are also excited that we've become a founding member of a network called In Faith for Families. And so in that network, we are particularly focused on organizations that are faith motivated, that are serving women and children. So that skews even a little younger in some senses to look at perinatal, maternal, and infancy. And so, yeah, we feel as though those things are really important, that we are aware of what's going on for children in our area and in our state. Uh, We do have a newer advocacy network in the state of Ohio. Ohio that we're really excited and proud of called Groundwork Ohio that is focusing on uh, advocacy in early childhood. And we are aware of some pretty sobering statistics around the increase in maltreatment of infants in the state of Ohio. And there was a 20% increase in that between the years of 2010 and 2019. So that to say, we know that it is really important that we continue to focus on child maltreatment prevention for the early childhood population. And we believe that families have the capacity to keep their children safe when they have access to and have the support that they need to do so. So we're really interested in continuing to focus on early childhood and um, ways that we can be involved in those efforts globally in Cleveland and the state of Ohio. So you mentioned that you're a faith-driven organization, and I would love for you to tell us a little bit more about that. 
Yeah, absolutely. So when I think about our volunteers being driven by their faith, it really is kind of having a posture or just like a a way that they want to connect and look at families in their community as um, not separate, not other, not different, but opening their arms and welcoming them in. And when I think about that, I often think about that term hospitality. And that's one of our, um, I would say, just key aspects of safe families is this idea of radical hospitality. And when I say that, what do I mean? I mean, it sounds crazy that you would invite um, a family you have never met, a child you maybe met, met five minutes ago, into your home to stay with you and intentionally say, I want to build relationship with you as an extension of family. Um, That's radical. Like that sounds surprising. Um, And then that hospitality component is really just that recognition of, I would say our volunteers want their home to be open to others, want their family to be open to others and kind of pushing back, I would say, and a lot of um, messaging that, other voices may have in society of put your stakes in and claim your space and do what's best for you. And our volunteers are driven by just the opposite. They want to open those gates wide and um, in, truly invite other families in. And that's just a direct linkage to their faith and their belief that we're created to be in relationship and in community with other people. And so that's how it physically and tangibly looks through Safe Families Volunteers. Mm, that's beautiful, Jesse. how you put that. Yeah, we want to have open arms and open doors um, to say you have a place of belonging. And if you would like for it to be here with us, come meet us. We have a place for you at our table. We have a place for your whole family. You know, we welcome children in in those hosting situations and we can't wait until mom gets to come when she's feeling better, like the mom I told you about before, and she can come and be at the table too for dinner. And so that's really what we're talking about. We want to be be radical in that sense that we've we've received that kind of hospitality, we believe, um, from God. And therefore, we we want to share it um, with those in, in our neighborhoods, in our communities. A piece of that, I think um, we were just talking through faith and hope and those of us that know the scriptures um, love those come together often and a piece of of training and um, science that I'm really excited about um, is the hope network healthy outcomes from positive childhood experiences that's such a beautiful complement to the strengthening families work and really looking at those child specific or child level uh, protective factors So it's just really cool to see that when we are practicing this radical kind of hospitality in which we are inviting people to live life together, that we can potentially be offering access to children, to other adults that can have a positive um, influence or attachment in their lives. And we know that that has an amazing effect on any adversity that might have been experienced. How about the families? Do they have to be faith-based? Is there a a qualifying criteria for families to participate? That's a great question. No, there's not. They have to be a family that is reaching out, contacting us, um, sometimes through our helpline, sometimes through, you know, another organization or professional they're working with. 
and really just saying, um, I'd like to learn more about the support your organization offers. Um, there's no requirements in terms of um, any sort of faith affiliation or often people ask, is there a cost for this? Absolutely not. This is um, offered just through the generosity of our volunteers. Um, so really, it's just any family that finds themselves in a place or a time where they um, need support in all the different ways that we've kind of highlighted. What about volunteers? Are all the volunteers faith-based? That's another great question. Um, I would say the majority of them are. I know Elena mentioned that we really work to um, raise up and recruit volunteers from local church communities. And so the majority of our volunteers do and often kind of serve in groups um, of family units within that church community. Um, but also there are volunteers that are not, that are really just driven by a motivation to care and love for people in their community. So I do want to make sure we check for people who are listening who might not be in Cleveland, but who think this sounds really exciting, um, either to volunteer or to take advantage of these services. Can you tell us how widespread Safe Families is in the country and how people can learn more? Absolutely. So if you go to our website, and that is safe-hyphen, do not forget the hyphen, safe-families.org, you'll be able to learn a lot more about Safe Families for Children in the U.S., we have over 120 locations in 40 states in the United States. We actually have a presence in the UK, Canada, and launched in Hong Kong as well. But at that website I just gave you, you'll be able to find all the different locations and then the contact information for each location. And it's really easy to shoot an email um, to that chapter that's closest to you, that location, and um, ask them for more information. Even if you're not sure which one you should ask for, you can also go and request more information and we can point you to and get you connected to whatever chapter is closest to where you live. Thank you for sharing that. This has been um, awesome information. We like to end each episode by asking our guests, what do you think the secret sauce is to making a community a great place to raise a child? Uh, Jesse first and then Elena. I think the thing that I see again and again is the recognition from families that are reaching out to us that they desire community. And going back to what we were talking about of being faith driven, um, you know, we believe that um, we were created in God's image and created to be in relationship with other people. And so I'm thinking of a particular mom that I think just highlights this. We actually served her family when her children were really young. And then a couple years later, she reached back out because she saw, you know, hey, I'm doing this alone and I need a community. And again, just her acknowledgement of that desire for relationship and connection. We all have that. We can all look to spots in our life where we've experienced and felt that. And so I think the secret sauce is just that the offering of how we connect families lets that happen. Let's a parent say, I, I recognize I have this need for connection and relationship and partners them or matches them with a volunteer that says like, hey, I have that same need for connection and relationship and brings families together in that way. Thanks for sharing, Jesse. So as I was reflecting, I knew this question was coming. I decided to ask my five-year-old daughter on the way to preschool this morning. And I said, what, what makes our neighborhood a great place to live, you think? And she said, care. And 
I just love that little sweetie. But um, that is how I would answer too. I think that when I reflect on our community and my neighborhood, um, you know, I live in the city. We have people who know each other and care for each other. And in this sense, I've realized what a gift it is that I've been able to relax into if my children are learning some independence as they are moving through middle childhood. I can let them go to the end of the street if I know that next door, Miss Mary is on the porch. She cares about my child and she's going to make sure she stays safe. Um, and so I was just thinking about that and how important that knowing of one another and what Jesse drew out with having that community and that sense of cohesion, um, I would say, and just really an understanding, or if we said it in a fancy way, a social contract in the neighborhood that we all care about these children being safe and having the opportunity to grow up somewhere where they know they were loved and they were cared for definitely by in their own house and throughout the entire neighborhood. Well, thank you both so much, Elena and Jesse, for sharing about Safe Families Cleveland and about your own journeys and what you think is uh, so critical as the secret sauce for making a community a great place to raise a child. And thanks for everything you're doing to make Cleveland a great place for kids. And thank you all for listening to The New Neighborhood. Be sure to check the show notes for links and additional information about some of the things we talked about today. And please join us next time for more insights into how communities are coming together to create new neighborhoods and support early learning and development. This limited series podcast is a production of the Center for the Study of Social Policy. For more information or to contact us, visit us online at www.cssp.org.